You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midcoast Sports. March is almost here, and that means conference tournaments are ready to take center stage. The NSIC and Summer League Basketball Championships, they begin February 26th and run through March the 8th, and they're all live on Midcoast Sports and Midcoast Sports Plus. Plus, UND Hockey's NCHC quarterfinal series is taking place the weekend of March the 11th on Midcoast Sports. This is how we do sports. This is the Built Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shapes Podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday morning, February the 15th, the Ides of February. Build Shaves, Alex Heinert, great to have you with us on, again, a, a busy time in the athletics world. Bill, how are you? I'm doing great, Alex. Hopefully you're well as well, and hopefully travel has been okay for you. Travel's been good. Uh, a lot of trips to the Rockies and to Ohio, and for the most part, things have been okay. No no weird storms or difficulties getting from place to place. Excited to get back sort of in our neck of the woods a little bit with a trip to Duluth coming up this weekend to see the boys play. So excited to be back in the Midwest on the Central Time Zone for the first time in a while. Yeah, no, that's great. We're, we're happy to have you, obviously, on, on the broadcast. And uh, uh, you're right. All of our teams are playing. We were kind of doing a little you know, a uh, pre-pod uh, meeting, if you will, uh, just to make sure that we were uh, dotting I's and crossing T's. And I think we just came to the conclusion, if we talk about any sport that's playing right now, um, this pod may go on for hours. <laughs> By my count, eight, eight different UND teams are in action right now, from hockey to the basketballs. Indoor track and field is often running softball, golf, men's and women's tennis, other than football, it seems, and, and women's soccer, everybody's got something going on right now. And that makes for a busy time in athletics, but I'm assuming a really fun time, too, with teams getting to their championship seasons, others just kicking off their regular campaigns. It's got to be fun stuff for you and the crew. It is. Uh, you know, operationally, it uh, you know presents some some challenges for sure, but you know, I think you just take it one weekend at a time, like one day at a time, just making sure you have everything covered. And, you know, when you're, when you're dropping in our first uh, summit league championship that we're uh, hosting as well, you know, it definitely uh, makes for an incredibly busy time frame for us from a, a staffing standpoint, but our folks do such an awesome job and uh, you know, it, it, but on the same token, it's why you get into it and it's a lot of fun as well. Yeah, it is a, uh, I'm sure a labor of love, I mean, for you and the group, putting together senior days and, and as you mentioned, Summit League Championships, Indoor Track and Field Championships next weekends here at the Fritz Pollard Center. There's just, there's a lot of exciting things happening as these teams push for championships and kick off their season. So we will do a quick, a quick Mulberry Bush run around on some of those sports and keep you up to date on what's going on. As always, of course, head to FightingHawks.com for full details. We'll also chat a little bit on the B side about Bill's former protege, Cooper Cup, winning Super Bowl MVP. We're going to talk about that a little bit, too, and, and some Olympic stuff and other fun things. Uh, first, though, one big athletics nugget of news that's not necessarily playing field relevant is the launching of the North Dakota Network, or NODAC Net. This just dropped the other day. Explain to us what this is and how this is going to be a big benefit for our student-athletes. Yeah, thanks, Alex. I, we are excited about this. The um, student athlete uh, success area um, has a leadership and development um, piece of the puzzle to it. And uh, Tyler Burmeister does a tremendous job uh, uh, overseeing that area and a lot of uh, 
lot of different uh, things that he does uh, with our student athletes, but he's been working on this one for, for a little while. So a company uh, by the name of Grafted uh, we've uh, contracted with, you know, the best way to describe it is it's kind of like our own personal LinkedIn area mm. so that we can get student athletes connecting with certainly our our alums obviously our, our former student athletes it, you know obviously that network is uh you know something that is an is a tremendous thing to be able to um uh get going for all of our programs and then i i what i like the thought process is is really the crossover connectivity. Because at the end of the day, if I'm a women's soccer player, but I'm an accounting major, you know, I may want to just connect with former student athletes that all were accounting majors, right? Or might be in a certain location. Um, and so it's just not about us connecting uh, with your particular sport. I think it's broader than that. It's about being a student athlete or a former student athlete at uh, the University of North Dakota. And so uh, really kind of neat. I mean, it's uh, we're excited about it. Um, Obviously, our uh, alumni foundation uh, can play a big role in that as well. And so, you know, we've got some tremendous people that help us uh, on that side of the house, so to speak. Tim Belmore, Colton Sanderson, Val Sussex, Mike Manassa, Dan Muse, um, and, and among others. And, uh, you know, when they're meeting with former uh former uh, student athletes, you know, this might be just another thing that they can uh, help our current student athletes kind of bridges the gap, so to speak. And, uh, you know, and it's either, you know, sometimes you give of your time, treasure or talent. Well, this might be a way to to give of your time for sure. So so we are kind of excited about it. We're in the we're in the uh, entry level um, portion of it right now. So we're maybe in the crawl stage. And so uh, we'll, we'll do the crawl, walk, run, but uh, really, really excited about it. It does seem to be a great idea. And you always hear so much about the alumni base from North Dakota and how there are connections across the country in all different areas you know, of business and career, et cetera. And this is a cool way yeah, to help current students get connected with those people and learn from their life experiences and do so in a manner, like you said, that is sort of under this umbrella that makes it really easy. To, to connect and move forward. This is a really cool thing and, and a good thing, I think, for current student athletes and for alumni that have now moved on and want to stay connected and help out the next generation. You know, it's such a fleeting time that you're going to end up playing sports here is that, you know, we hope that there's connectivity to the bigger picture, right? Uh, so what what's your life's work going to be? And, and how can you... How can you, you know, reach out and get get experience ultimately and in and, and conversation with folks that have kind of been in your shoes and know what it's like getting out and, and it, it's all different phases too. It's sometimes it's the transition from being a, a division one student athlete into the workforce. Then it's maybe five to 10 years in, then who knows that then it's maybe 20, 25, 30 years in. And so all those perspectives will, will make a difference for us. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, kind of launched this one and, uh, we're, we're, we're real, real excited about it and, uh, should be, should be great for our, for our student athletes and our alums. I mean, it's yeah. a, you know, cause we always, you know, we, we end up talking to our alumni groups and until you get some sort of a platform to make it, um, really, I don't say easy, but certainly easy or easier, uh, this, this, this will help. 
So one last question on this. If I am an alum and I want to get involved with this, this NODAC network and be a part of this movement, how do I do so? Yeah, you know, I would go to um, fightinghawks.com and go to our staff directory and, and just reach out to Tyler Burmeister. I, mm -hmm. I, I think that's the best way of doing it. Obviously, if you have connectivity to any of us, uh, feel free. Reach out to me. Reach out to anyone in the Alumni Foundation. Anyone on our uh, on our staff will be able to direct you to how to, to how to make this happen. But but certainly, um, Tyler's the point guard here in, in this scenario. So if you can get to him directly, that's the that's the person we're going to get you to. Perfect. Good. Good to know. Awesome. Well, good luck getting that initiative rolling as the app just launched this past week. So North Dakota Network, it's happening, folks, right now. Also happening, as you mentioned, a lot of sports, a lot of sports happening across UND athletics. Uh, hockey right now is three weeks out from the NCHC postseason, six games remaining. They had a little bump in the road early January, and they, they go on this six-game homestands, and they win each of those series You know, against teams that were ranked. They finished off a sweep against Colorado College this past week. They're now I mean, basically assured of being at home ice unless you lose pretty much every game the rest of the way for the quarterfinals. Not mathematic yet, but again, basically, they're pretty much locked into a top-four spot. They're two points back of Denver in the chase for the Penrose Cup. Again, what what a difference a couple of weeks makes Bradbury's crew while being shorthanded despite despite that. They seem to lose a key player every weekend, still found a way to get the job done, especially this weekend against the Tigers. Yeah, Alex, for sure. Uh, you know, absolutely not mathematically there. Um, obviously have put ourselves in good position though, um, to have home ice and, and that's the first part of uh I think the puzzle or the equation to get to um, where you want to go, um, which is certainly the regionals. And uh, from there, you know, that you've got to get there first. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, and the team has had some, uh, um, you know, lineup, I'll call it lineup issues, right? And so, uh, but that's part of, I think, playing hockey in February is yeah. uh, if, you've got, if you've got a locker in, in that dressing room, my guess is you're a pretty good player. And so, you know what, now you've got a chance and you've got an opportunity and we're seeing some of our, um, some guys that maybe didn't get regular shifts, uh, early in the season, getting some opportunities. So that's exciting. It really is. You saw Brent Johnson get his first goal. Um, you know, Luke Bass, you saw him, uh, put on a, just a tremendous move for the fourth goal, uh, on Saturday night. And so, you know, you just, you, you almost kind of see some of these guys right before your very eyes gaining confidence. So that's exciting for the team. The wins against Colorado college, again, were done with less than the amount of skaters you normally can have. Again, you usually are allowed 19. They started the game Friday with only 18 because they did. Those are the only bodies who were healthy. And they quickly lost Cooper Moore in the first period to a five-minute major in a game misconduct. Cooper then gets suspended for Saturday's game as well. So they started the game essentially two men down. And they still won. It was a 4 nothing shutout, a great performance on Saturday. Uh, Cooper's suspension felt, felt harsh a little bit because he loses basically all of Friday. And then Saturday as well. This kind of goes back to the... You know, the whole objective versus subjective supplemental discipline that sometimes can be difficult in college hockey to weave between. And unlike football with the targeting rule, it's not quite as black and white. Yeah, it, interesting, Alex. Um, so I think the very first thing you always want to say is you want player safety to be first and foremost. So, you know, any discussion 
is is relative to to player safety. So so obviously we do get that. The second thing is uh, officials have a really hard job, a really hard job, especially in a sport like hockey or basketball, right? Football that the the movements that are just it feels like there could be something almost in every moment. And so uh, we understand that for sure, um, you know. But but thirdly is. Um, you know, the, the idea of, of not having someone play a particular game, that that's also something that's really important too. So you, you kind of put those all into a basket and uh, you have to make sure that you're, you're thinking through it all. And, you know, it, it feels like football, when I first started as an AD back in 07, it felt like for about a decade, um, we were in a similar situation. If you had a, um, a player get a targeting call on a Saturday, you kind of waited on Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, whether or not there potentially would be supplemental discipline. Um, and so I think, and I was talking to Bubba over the weekend um, after the scenario happened. And I, I asked him, you know, when was it again? Remind me how this played itself out again. He thought it was around 16 or 17 that I think there was just a conversation that if something were to happen in the first half of a game, you would be done for the rest of the game. If it happened in the second half of a football game, you'd have to miss the first half of the next game. And so, you know, I'm not suggesting that hockey could do something like that, but maybe they could, or maybe that conversation needs to be at least brought out to some degree because it feels like the objectivity portion of this has um, taken center stage as opposed to the subjectivity uh, you know, scenario where um, it felt like my first 10 years, we were more subjective. Now we're just tremendously objective. And so uh, it feels like the pairwise you're in, you're out, you know, last year was yeah. not pairwise. Exactly. And we saw some stumping going on towards the end of the year about making the tournament. And so it's, so hockey has already figured this out. Let's just say about how they select their teams Maybe there's room for a conversation postseason. Postseason. I mean, those are those are good conversations to have to say, hey, is is there room here so that we can help everyone involved? Because uh, of course, no one wants to see anyone get hurt for sure. So, uh, but I, that, those are just my thoughts. I I think post weekend, if you will. No, I think those are good thoughts. I think we've seen this. To be honest, I think that would really limit what you see at the end of games where it seems like in the last five minutes or so of a game that maybe isn't close and we've seen that at times this season with North Dakota in action if they're up big and the opposition's upset you get some hits or some shots that you know are kind of outside the rules of the law and I think players would be much more inclined to lay off those things if they knew look if I do this in the third period I'm missing the rest of the you know whatever the five minutes left in this game and I'm also missing tomorrow like no no ifs ands or buts like I'm going to serve my time if I do something that merits a game misconduct for the next night and and I think that's that's more the deterrent I think more so even then if it happens in the first then you're done for the game and you can come back on Saturday or next week or next week Exactly. On a Saturday, you miss you miss game one of the next series. Yeah. And so, you know, then then it's always um, interesting in in the sport of hockey, because there's, uh, you know, obviously 60, 
60 schools, I, I think there, there would have to be almost a, let's call it a, a conversation, right? Uh, I think among all of college hockey, to some degree, does this make sense? Because I guess you could do it in a, in, in a conference if you wanted to, but it probably would make more sense if it was consistent uh, across the board. And so uh, that's just my thoughts. Well, it would sure get confusing if it is a non-conference situation. And honestly, now, too, especially where you've got independent, so many independent schools, Long Island, Alaska, Arizona State, there is that sense of, like, who's in charge of the discipline for those programs? Because normally the conference has the final say. But if it was an NCAA-wide initiative, like we saw with overtime now, hey, everything's the same for the all 59 schools. If you did the same thing there, and I'm sure – when the coaches and, and everybody gets together uh, in Florida coming up in the spring once the Frozen Four finishes up, hopefully that could maybe be a, a talking point to try and get something moved and done. Yeah, you know, I, and I guess, I, I, you know, and maybe it's just uh, the ability of time because I've been in it for a long period of time. I, I do try to take the macro view when something happens in the moment as well. You know, last year, uh, you know, unfortunately when – you know, we played in the regional and in uh, Duluth had not played the night the day before. And, you know, we had the night game going in. Um, so we were already going to be on shorter rest anyways. At the end of the day, at least I'll say something came out of it where there was a day in between now. Right. At, at the most critical juncture, a critical tournament of the year. But at least you go in with the thought process that you got the day in between. So whether you play, whether you play first game, second game on that, let's call it Thursday, and then you head to Saturday, I I mean, I think it's less of an issue. I I think that's where I, in real time over the weekend, I I was trying to think, you know, how can we apply potentially something that has occurred in another sport, very similar in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, um, maybe, maybe to hockey. Yeah. You mentioned Minnesota Duluth. That is North Dakota's next opponent. UND will play at Amzol Arena on Friday and Saturday. Friday's game is on CBS Sports. Hey, And then Saturday's game is also going to be live on Midco Sports. We're going to bring back the feed uh, from My9 TV. So both of those games you can catch. And then next week, UND back home for senior weekends. Western Michigan, a really big series on the 25th and 26th as we salute the senior class, which right now is... You know, like all of our senior days, and we're going to talk about this women's basketball. You don't really know who you're going to be celebrating until you show up because they all have this extra year of eligibility. Now, obviously, for hockey, we know Zach Driscoll and we know Connor Ford. These are graduate students. Their eligibility is done. So we know we'll be celebrating Zach and Connor. Maybe one or two more. Maybe not. We're, we're going to find out. Well, you know, it, 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 truly what could happen is – you could celebrate somebody and then they could really come back too. Exactly. I, I mean, so because there could be some indecision at this stage. So uh, outside of the fact of Connor and Zach, I, I would say, you know, not sure how that's going to play itself out. And uh, um, yeah, I, I just, um, until we kind of grind through all of the uh, student athletes that have a COVID year, um, <laughs> get used to it. This get is what we're going to say. Well, we, this happened last year with women's basketball. We got to senior day and we've got Michaela Ranke and Julia Fleece. And we also had Melissa Leet as seniors. And so we do these senior videos, you know, for Midco, we brought on them during halftime, like giving the girls a chance to talk about their experience, et cetera. We did this great interview with Melissa and we find out the day before, like, oh, Melissa's coming back, actually. <laughs> you actually don't need. So we, you know, you, that all that gets chopped off and hits the cutting room floor. 
And uh, and now, obviously, Melissa got her senior day this past weekend against Western Illinois, which we'll talk about in a sec. But it is funny, just a little extra dynamic of you don't really know. And like you said, we could do something for Mark Sendon and Gavin Hain and some of these other seniors. And maybe those guys end up just getting two senior days and they come back next season. Wouldn't be the worst thing, certainly, from a UND perspective. You know, I, I, I guess uh, it better to celebrate someone and celebrate them twice. Amen. So, yeah, I, I just think uh, I, I think everyone is uh, understanding that there is still conversations to be had, you know, rosters to be constructed. And, you know, it just may not be as simple as we know it in this moment. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll probably err on the side of uh, celebration. How about that? There you go. That's a good side to err on, I would say, for sure. Good. Well, so check out hockey again. Their pursuit of a third straight Penrose Cup. Very much in the balance right now. They have got a great opportunity, great chance to take on some of the best teams in the country, improve their pairwise standing, and give themselves a shot to win their fifth Penrose. Pretty exciting stuff down the stretch here for UND. Just three weekends left until the NCHC quarterfinals. We mentioned women's hoops. They've been on a tear of late. Obviously, they, they didn't get the win on senior day against Western Illinois, but they've won nine of their last 11. They're very much in that three-seed, four-seed conversation. They're currently fourth in the Summit League standings. Huge week for Mallory Bernard's team. They've got some big games at Kansas City, at Oral Roberts. Those are the two teams that they are sandwiched in between right now. It's exciting stuff, though, for this UND women's team. They just have continued to take steps in the right direction really since day one of this season. Yeah, you know, it would seem today that we probably will find ourselves between that three and six area. It seems like it. I Again, nothing clinched at this point in time. Um, cause I haven't done the, the work. If, if say we were to lose three in a row out, which would be four in a row. Um, and then I've Western Illinois won three in a row. I, I, I don't know who's got the tie breaks on, on that scenario, but we'd have to figure that out. But I agree, Alex, the team has put themselves in a position to at least, uh, feel good about Sioux Falls, but, uh, you want to kind of close this thing out, uh, you know, as well as you can, obviously we've got, uh, road games that, that are going to be difficult. Um, but even Saturday against Western Western, as you could tell, um, you know, they, that's a team that you get them on a certain day and they're hitting shots. You've got to match them. You've got to match them. And we played really well in that first quarter in regards to getting shots that we wanted. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about the defensive side. Mal could talk about that as far as wh- whether she felt good or bad. I, I really don't know. I just know this. We got good looks. It felt like the balls were almost two thirds of the way down and out. And it felt as if at 27 to seven, I kind of felt like it should have been more like 27, 20. I mean, it really shouldn't have been a 20 point game. And then we had to grind through to come yeah. back. Well, then it flipped. I mean, they, they fought back in the second and the third and took the lead. I mean, that's so you overcome that deficit. And then obviously they kind of got hot down the stretch. And that was that. They are a team where um, certainly they've got that in them. And you could see in the non-conference when you don't uh, when you're not prepped for them, they can really uh, cause problems w- with teams, and, and certainly when they're hot. And uh, um, and they g- give them credit; they 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 shot the lights out on Saturday. So, uh, um, but yeah, you're right. It, it, big big week on the road, and um, 
you know, I, I, I think this team has progressed for sure, but I think they want to try to close this regular season out uh, as well as they can so that they can uh, have a little momentum going down to Sioux Falls. Yeah, amen. You can't give, again, Mallory and the staff enough credit. I mean, this, this team was picked to finish ninth in the league, and they've got a great chance to finish third. And if Mallory Bernhardt is not the coach of the year in the Summit League, then something something has gone horribly wrong among the people that have a vote. But uh, again, great opportunity. Again, our last three games on the road, Kansas City, Oral Roberts, North Dakota State, and then it'll be the Summit League tournament right after that at the beginning of March. It's crazy that we're at this time of year. Just crazy that we're already here. Yeah, it feels like we just turned the calendar, didn't it? It does. <laughs> we were just talking about the start of Summit League play, and now we're talking about the end of it. But best of luck to Mal and the Fighting Hawks as they get ready to take the show on the road. For the men, Paul Sather's crew getting a couple of big wins. We had talked about this on the last podcast, that they had been close, so close, and had been playing pretty good basketball. And they had that great opportunity against Denver, and they lose in overtime. And, you know, this, this, they had a big lead, and, and it slips away, and you fall by two in OT. And the team certainly could have hung their heads and said, well, shoot, that was our game. That was our chance to get in the win column. And they bounced right back and they beat Omaha. And then they beat St. Thomas right after that. And then they nearly, and then you should have beat Western, had a great chance to beat Western, another tight two-point loss. But, uh, but you can tell this belief and this fight in this group has not gone away, despite the fact their record is what it is. And they've given themselves now a chance to be in the top eight and to make the Summit League tournament, when a couple of weeks ago it seemed like that was going to be a difficult thing for them to accomplish. Yeah, I agree with all that, Alex. And uh, and what was interesting in that Omaha game is uh, Omaha got off to a 9-2 start. And so you could have gotten to a place where, you know, you started feeling a bit sorry for yourself after how the Denver game ended. And uh, and then you, you kind of have to climb out of a, a, a seven-point hole, right, right um, you know, three minutes into the game. But, you know, we found a way to, uh, to get that one done. Now we got four straight at the Betty, um, obviously. You know some some really you know quality teams coming in for sure, but uh, but yeah, I, I I think this team has had fight the whole whole way through, been very prepared, and uh, you know we just gotta gotta just find a way to to just keep uh, you know getting getting one at a time, literally a, a total cliche here, but but really the the focus has to be on Thursday against Kansas City. That's it, and uh, you know we kind of made our way back, uh, you know, at Kansas city, I think we were down 16 and, uh, found a way to almost, uh, you know, win that game on the road. And so, uh, we just gotta, we just, you know, just gotta get after it and, uh, and see what, see what we can do here, but to st- really two different, um, if, if you're going to go to the game on Thursday and Saturday, um, two different styles, that's what I will tell you. <laughs> that's, that is a good way to put it. Yes. Uh, Oral Roberts, and Kansas City do not play the same brand of basketball. North Dakota, by the way, lost to both by four points and five points, respectively, in their first meeting. So they were right there. And again, those games are on the road. So a chance, as you said, for our crew to be home the rest of the way. Again, it's the Ruse and it's the Golden Eagles this week. They have that makeup game against St. Thomas coming up on a Tuesday. And then the big home one against North Dakota State to finish out the season on the 26th. So great chance. Again, they're right there. It's, it's a, a one more win. And you're in pretty good shape. And a win over St. Thomas would go a long way to make him the top eight. Reminder, uh, that game against St. Thomas is going to be a noon tip. And and again, the Betty was already contracted with high school uh, basketball. And so when we were trying to slot these games in, it just that's the time frame that worked. Um, and so, 
you know, we had to prioritize getting the game in. And so, uh, unfortunately we would love to be playing in the evening. Um, but, you know, uh, I appreciate, uh, you know, Jody's willingness and, uh, and, and the crew over, uh, at the REA to, 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 to make it work on a day where, uh, we've got high school basketball all day Monday, and then we've got, uh, two games that evening. So, uh, that's where the noon start, uh, start, uh, you know, kicks in. Yeah, thanks for giving us the, the behind the scenes on that one. And that's, by the way, why that game is not on Midco either. Just sometimes scheduling stuff, just difficult to sort of squeeze it in. We'll have the North Dakota State game coming up on Midco Sports on the 26th, uh, but not that St. Thomas game on Tuesday. Other sports, I think we'll do a quick, quick rundown. We're not going to go into great depth because, again, everybody's going. But you mentioned track and field. We had a split squad kind of break up this past week, some in Brookings at the South Dakota State Classic, some at Grand Valley State. Uh, it seemed like throwers and jumpers and sprinters were in Brookings. The distance crew went to Michigan. Good results. People keep moving forward. There'll be a tune-up meet coming up this Saturday in Grand Forks. Another tune-up for everybody, staff and, and athletes included, before the, out, the indoor championships take place on the 25th and 26th. I can just tell you a lot of meetings going on right now. We had a site visit from the Summit League, and I think they are uh, excited about uh, going into the Pollard Center. Who wouldn't be? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's a, certainly great for the student athletes, and uh, I think it'll be great for the uh, uh, anyone that wants to, to watch as well. So, uh, again, information on that can be found both in the Summit League uh, website and uh, in our website as well. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That is going to be so much fun. It is. There is something, again – if you watched the Olympics at all this last summer, this will have that kind of a feel, but sort of in a different way because it's a team competition and you're going to have teams rooting for each other as they try and jockey for position while individuals are trying to vie for championships on the on their own personal event. There And again, it's all indoors. It's all in the same roof. So you're seeing all of this, unlike an outdoor competition that maybe the pole vault is over here and the discus is happening over here and you don't get to see everything. That's not going to be the case on Friday and Saturday on the 25th and 26th. No. And, uh, we are, uh, excited about, um, bringing it from, a, uh, into a streaming level as well. And so I think you're going to see a multi-camera setup and, uh, being able to literally go, you know, to different events. And, uh, so that'll be great too, for folks that can't make it. Um, and, and, and as we all know, um, track and field, much like tennis can be, uh, international flavor to it. And so awesome to be able to bring that literally to, to folks around the world. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Again, our next pod, we will we will cover the championships in detail, how it went down from a hosting standpoint, how our teams did. Be on the lookout for that uh, that first week of March. But again, 25th and 26th, get out to the Pollard Center and enjoy. The Saturday, of course, is always awesome. So many great events going on at the same time, so be sure to check that out. Softball in action, not in Grand Forks for a while. They will be in the southern... <laughs> <laughs> the southern half of the country for the next couple months. They were in South Carolina this past weekend at the Furman Classic. They went two and three. Uh, the crew was picked to finish sixth in the Summer League preseason poll, right? About basically the same amount of votes as USD, right in the middle of the pack is where they're expected to finish. But doesn't mean that's where they're going to end up. They'll be down in Alabama this next week, and then Hawaii, Bill. They'll be in Hawaii the following week. If they need another chaperone on that trip, I I feel like I don't know. You or, you or I would certainly maybe be able to volunteer for that. You know, as I've said to some folks that uh, have gone to, let's just say, warmer climbs uh, for for certain alumni event, uh, it feels as if I'm holding down the fort here in Grand Forks, <laughs> which, um, 
happy to do so yeah. happy to do so you yeah, you roll your sleeves up and go um but uh, yeah no it worked out okay you know hawaii is interesting because they they always are looking for teams to come and they do make it let's just say financially feasible to do so and then if i got my schedule correct i think they go straight to arizona at that point in time and so it just worked out that's what i'll say obviously that this team needs to get outdoors and, and get games in and uh and so you're right uh grand forks unfortunately not i mean maybe at some point in time you know the one thing that we're discussing at some stage is how can we futuristically maybe have a softball weekend uh at the alara center uh, during this time frame, having some conversations potentially with high schools too to make it palatable, so that you know that whole sport. Maybe we can celebrate softball in some way, shape, or form. So you know, obviously not for this year, but maybe futuristically. Yeah, that would be awesome. I know a couple of years ago when we had such a, such a late winter, like the spring was late arriving, and there were a couple of games in the Alaris, and it was fun. It was it was a cool atmosphere, and it would be obviously that was sort of a throw it together almost last minute to, just to get some conference games in, this would be a little bit different where you could plan out. And like you said, make it an event where you bring in other teams, youth teams, high school teams, et cetera. That'd be a great idea. Yeah, I think that's some of the conversation we're having. Even when the new turf came down, um, we were able, and Eric Martinson does a great job with this, but we put tick marks. Uh, you, can't, you can't really see them. Honestly, you'd have to look for them, but there's tick marks on the turf to be able to make sure that you can get, it makes it easier to, to, mm -hmm. to set up a, a field, but, you know, literally much like what Jody had to do at the Orleans, like, you know, recreate an actual, um, you know, hockey rink, um, you know, we would have to do the same there, but there's some things though, if we're doing it, maybe on an annual basis, uh, you're going to get better at it. And, and I think it's going to be exciting for, for school, for schools, knowing they're going to play. That's awesome. Well, stay tuned to this. Yeah. Stay tuned to fightinghawks.com in this space in the, uh, maybe the, the months or perhaps the years to come is maybe something like that comes together in the future. Vegas. You know what? I, I, I I'm thinking about this as well. Um, you know, we had an amazing, uh, um, champions club, uh, turnout, so to speak, as far as purchasing Vegas tickets. And then we went on sale to the public, uh, this past Saturday at noon and talking with Jody this morning, I, I will say this, um, the arena is getting filled up hey. at this point in time. <laughs> and so if you're interested I, I would say uh, truly um, I would get on it if you are uh, thinking about going because uh, things are, are, are moving in the direction of a sellout faster than we probably anticipated. That is awesome. Coming up end of October, North Dakota, Arizona State's little Hockey Hall of Fame game at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Keep it in your purview. Be thinking about that. That's good to know. Speaking of Vegas, by the way, that is where women's tennis is going next. The women's tennis team had, had three straight sweeps this past weekend over UNI, Gus Davis, and Minnesota State Moorhead. They'll be in Vegas for a couple of days, and then they get to come back home against Milwaukee on the 26th of February. The men have been home. They'll, they'll remain home against Montana State and against UNO on the 25th and 27th at choice. It's so fun. Again, we always talk about this, but it's fun to see these teams getting their seasons going both home and away. Yeah. I, uh, unfortunately couldn't make it out on Saturday. Uh, you know, we had the basketball and the hockey, but I made it out to, uh, the women's match on Sunday, uh, in the morning and it, it's, it's a great environment. Uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, it's almost, you know, college tennis can be like Davis cup. You can cheer. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you don't have to, you can cheer. I mean, it's, it's, it's encouraged. And so, uh, uh, you know, we, you know, I think, you know, we have amazing, um, community that's, uh, interested in it and, uh, it's a great place, uh, to watch a, a tennis match for sure. So always 70 and sunny in there too, Alex. That's right. Amen. So again, 25th, 26th, 27th, three straight days of tennis coming up at Choice Health and Fitness this week, uh, or next week, I guess I should say. Golf, by the way, also kicking off their spring season. The men were in Utah this past weekend. The women are in Texas next Monday and Tuesday. Summer League Championships are in Kansas at the end of April, which realistically is not that far away. It's just fun to think that golf is happening somewhere in the world right now, that our student athletes are being able to participate as we look outside the window and see that it is not golf weather at the moment here in the upper Midwest. No, it's not, but uh, good for them to get outdoors and, uh, and, 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 you know, do what they've got to do. Uh, you know, obviously they've got hitting rooms here, but not the same thing. So, I mean, once you get outside, um, gives you a chance. And so, uh, yeah, excited about both those teams and uh, the direction uh, that um, coaches uh, both uh, Todd and Travis have going. Yeah, excellent. I think that is everything I've got from a UND athletics perspective. Anything else, Bill, you want to talk about from NCAA, UND side of things? No, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we can flip it um, real quick and uh, probably have some good, some bad, and some ugly. <laughs> we'll start We'll start with what I assume is the good, Super Bowl 56, which was a fun game. I, you know, and you had an Eastern Washington alum play a starring role is dream season continues uh cooper cup the mvp just your thoughts on the game itself and seeing uh, you know a former student athlete of yours continue this incredible run yeah i you know i i i've seen that movie before i i've seen <laughs> I, i've seen it and uh now the world saw it and so he just has had a tremendous season i what's amazing right he and jerry rice are the only two that have you know, done the triple crown, the offensive player of the year and the Super Bowl MVP, but Jerry did it in different years and Cooper did it all in one year. And so, uh, both FCS guys, both FCS guys. Yes. Uh, One wins his award. Right. So, uh, you know, and so just a lot of connectivity between those two and, uh, just an unreal season. Um, good game. Um, I don't know if it was a great game. I think it was a good game, um, competitive. And so when it comes down to the final drive, I thought it was, was great. And uh, yeah, the Rams found a way to, to not be able to run the ball, but still win the game. And uh, that was, it's just interesting when you're one dimensional, right? I mean, okay. but uh, it's almost like, uh, you know, Cooper and, and Stafford almost willed them to that win. And Aaron Donald as well. I mean, that that Rams defensive line really stepped up over the course of the second half. I think seven official sacks was the number, but it was it was more than that. I mean, that last play was not an official sack, but basically was. And I, I will ask you this. So here's my question for you. So the Rams score, Cup gets that touchdown. He got it twice, of course. The one got called off, and then he, he caught the next one. The Bengals get the football, and boom, quick first down. They're at midfield, essentially. With about, what, 40 seconds or so left? I mean, there was plenty of time. They had timeouts. They've got a field goal kicker that's been perfect in the postseason. At that point, when they got to second and one from the 40-something, did you expect it to be, okay, this is either going to be a Bengals win or we're going to overtime? It felt overtime to me. I don't know. I, you know, but was it then on second and one? um, I know they got to Burrow. or Maybe it was the, it was the, uh, it was the series before, but he, he didn't look a hundred percent. I, I don't, 
I don't know. The fourth and one play felt a little interesting to me. Like there was no option. It, it felt like mm. it was either throw it complete first down or incomplete game over. <laughs> and uh, there was no real option to that. And maybe it, it, that was because of Aaron Donald. I mean, for sure. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it kind of felt like because of the playoffs, it was going to go overtime. That's what it felt like yeah. to me. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, that, that group did step up and seemed like they might've made a little bit of a tweak on how they were uh, going to rush him to some degree, but Burrow was getting the ball out and, and he needs to get the ball out for sure. As a Steelers fan, were you happy with the result? Would it have been difficult for you to see an AFC North rival win a Super Bowl? Or are they are, are is poor Cincinnati so far down sort of the pecking order, like almost like the Browns, like a team that's kind of been irrelevant for a long time that you just didn't really care so much? Yeah, I was not interested in them winning. I mean, I, I don't need them having a parade. I mean, if the Bills were there, would you want them to win? Or you've won so much and it doesn't matter. Is this bad to say? We, I think we've kind of won so much. It would, it'd be different if it was the Jets. I feel like I've got a different uh. affinity to the Jets and honestly the Giants. Like there, there are certain teams that have sort of just caused you hurt over the years. The Bills again have been the Bills. The Bills have been kind of irrelevant really for much of this Patriots run. And there's also the lingering history of losing four straight Super Bowls. So I would have probably been cheering for the Bills to be honest, even though this is sort of the next great team and they're in the same division as the team I cheer for. So I would say that's interesting. I, I would say I was truly indifferent with the Bengals. I mm. almost like you with the bills. I, I would, I would liken them together. The Ravens, I have kind of a respect for them. I'll be honest with you. Interesting. And they, they bother me less than the Browns <laughs> where the Browns to me are maybe your jets is just, I feel like they've really done nothing and they feel, it feels like, they feel like they've done something. You know what they've done? Lost back-to-back AFC championship games in heartbreaking fashion. That's what they've done. That's what they've done, yeah. Historically. <sighs> and, they've, and not much since, really. And that was like in the mid-'80s. So Right. The next time go. they go to the Super Bowl will be their first. Mm. Cleveland. I mean, they've been obviously NFL champions with Jim Brown, but that was a little while ago. We're going on 60 years since that happens. Yes. So as crazy as that sounds, man, love the cleave. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It was a good game, not a great game, but, but entertaining enough and fun that we had a tight game at the end. So I was in Oxford, Ohio this last weekend uh, with CBS and I'm flying back to the Dakotas and you go through Cincinnati. You can either go through Dayton or Cincinnati because Oxford's right in the middle. Cincinnati's a little bigger airport. It's easier to get out. So I'm flying out of Cincinnati on Saturday morning of the Super Bowl and connecting in Chicago. And literally everybody coming onto the plane has a Bengals Super Bowl something. Bengals AFC champions something. And there were multiple who day cheers that like would go up anytime the next person walked on who had a Bengals shirt on. And it was really fun. Like you sort of got to be I don't know, a part of that experience a little bit of everybody talking about where they were sitting at the game or like, oh, we're going to we're going to be here at this party before. And uh, oh, my my brother plays is the safety for this for the Bengals. And it was just cool. And you could tell how excited they were. And yeah, I, feel, I feel bad for the poor Bengals people who finally get back. And now they're 0 for three when they make it to the big game. 
Oh, for three, less than the score, really. I mean, I, you know, they, they, they've had some, some tough ones for sure. I, you know what I don't understand truly. I really don't understand this. No, no different, no different than I still don't understand why FCS plays their first playoffs uh, on Thanksgiving. Like let's like, I, I, that (laughs) blows me away that we can't figure that out, but um, why don't we do this thing Saturday night? Hmm. What's the downside? I like, I don't get it. Like, why are we waiting till Sunday? I, I don't, seems like it would be such an amazing party on a Saturday night th- that um, I just don't get it. I will say they do have the start time, right? Like it is good. Someone, I saw someone commented on this, like, Hey, guess what? The, the Super Bowl was finished by before everybody's bedtime, essentially like Kids could stay up and watch the whole thing. And you can't say that for the World Series or for the NBA Finals or for the Stanley Cup. I would agree. I just, I'm, I just interesting to me because I, because obviously Cincinnati didn't have school the next day, mm-hmm. which I'm going to sound now. Here comes the educator in me. That doesn't seem right either. I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess they had a day of sorrow, I guess. But at the yeah. end of the day, can we just get rid of all of this? And just have it Saturday. Super, super Sunday though, Bill. Like that's tradition. People have a tough time getting off tradition. That's, you know, NFL played on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. But I'm with it. Realistically, yes, it would make sense. Give yourself an extra day to travel, to get back wherever you're going, to get over the either, yeah, the whatever you ate or drank the night before. You have a little more time to recover and feel a little better before you go off to work and school the next day. I thought the best part of the Super Bowl was the awards and uh, listening to Andrew Whitworth's speech for the Peyton Award, uh, mm. Man of the Year. And I, I would suggest that if you have not uh, listened to his six-minute speech, um, it's worth a listen. It really is um, just a, an amazing, uh, you know, amazing perspective on the platform he has had for a long period of time. And uh, just, just kind of cool how that all worked out. So I'll tease it. I'll tease it on this and uh but you know I think it I think it'd be worth your time. Yeah, his story is great. 40 years 40 years old playing offensive line, you know, one of the toughest positions in football and still getting the job done at a high level. I thought his speech was great. I thought Cooper Cup's acceptance speech of the MVP award was great. Like just so much humility about I don't I don't feel like I deserve this. Look at the guys around me that helped make this possible and just a, there were just a lot of cool moments of and Aaron Donald too. There were some post game interviews of just you could tell how much this means to guys and putting it in the right perspective and ha- sharing it with their families. Super Bowls don't always bring out the best in in victors sometimes, but I feel like a lot of the guys who won on that team, so many were first time winners and they put it in the right perspective. Yeah, I thought that you could tell um, from a teammate standpoint that they were pretty grounded and that they potentially understood their roles. And even though that they potentially were superstars, that they knew that the, there was something greater than themselves within that locker room. And that's why they had a shot to win. And even then you could tell how hard it is to win. Right. I mean, you know, like literally uh, they were a couple snaps. Uh, if, 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 if Cooper doesn't draw that penalty, which you can debate it and all that rot, but the reality of it is they literally were third and goal. And so the, you know, they're down to two, two snaps. To, to figure this thing out or else they're not winning the Super Bowl and there's a parade in Cincinnati. <laughs> and on Monday when no one has school. So this close, this close. Uh, well, congrats to 
the Los Angeles Rams. And, so um, I think I think we end with the ugly. Um, Spurs may never win a game again. <laughs> oh, I told Bill Prepod that I wasn't planning on going here because I didn't want to bum him out. But Bill, you are you you appear numb to the reality that all these games in hand that you had are maybe not going to be automatic three point wins. Some might think games in hand meet automatic wins, <laughs> and that's not the case. Um, we found that out as we had two home matches against teams you would think that you have a pretty good shot against, but um, uh, it was not awesome. And uh, certainly uh, I think I started Super Bowl Sunday with just a terrifically horrific performance uh, that was just terrible. And then, uh, but I was, my day got brightened up when I watched our women's tennis team play. There you go. Always nice to bring it back around yeah, with some success there. Yeah, poor Spurs. It's a tough, tough stretch. A little bit of a tough stretch, but keep your head up. Keep your chin up. Enjoy some Champions League this week. Just rewatch, rewatch the Ajax game from a couple of years ago if you need to give yourself something to be excited about. I don't know if Antonio Conte, it, it, I, I, I worry about him. I, I, cool. I would be careful on, on, you know, some things. He's, he's going to lose his mind over there at some point in time, but uh, you know, I, but at the same token though, he's got to try to figure out, this is what he's got right now. So we've got to get the best out of these guys at this point. And uh, it's just funny, Alex, we, we struggle at times defensively. Like we, we pinball it back there and it's just like simple plays, just get it out, just get it out. And uh, ooh, ooh, not great. The goal that Ben Davies was culpable for. Which one? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the worst one, the one where he, he, he fanned on the clearance attempt and basically gifted Brighton a goal the other day. They're, uh, they are a little shaky at the back. Yes, they haven't quite taken to Conte's symptom just yet. The Antonio Conte revolution currently on hold right now at White Hart Lane. I, I leave you with this. I leave you with this. And this is perfect for your profession. I thought whoever did the match on Sunday is, I forget how he said it, but he said it's something similar. The Spurs have a way of playing it into trouble. <laughs> uh, and that is how we will end today's podcast for build shaves uh, our producer kyle doporowski i'm alex heiner thanks again for listening best of luck to all 27 und athletics teams that are in action this week back in two weeks with more build shaves podcast enjoy be safe take care